0: Welcome again to the Stock of the Town podcast. This is John and Karen Pendleton with Pendleton's Country Market. And as you know, we live in the Kansas River Valley just outside of Lawrence, Kansas. And we've been farming together for over 40 years. And we want to share with you about our farm and our community. A
1: lot of today was putting things away, trying to clean up the market.
0: It's the end of the season. End of the season. So we are not a year-round business. We close the second week of December, and we will be opening again the middle of March, depending on when the weather warms up. We kind of watch the weather, and that determines how early we will open in the spring. So we're looking forward to a break, but that doesn't really mean we're going to have a break, because now's the time we get caught up on all the paperwork that we need to do that we've been putting off and putting off. And just yesterday, I sent in our registration for a growers meeting in St. Joe, Missouri that will be going to the second week of January. And uh, that's how we started uh, 2023. We attended the Great Plains Growers Conference in St. Joe. And uh, it's something that we've done now for I'm guessing, around 30 years? No, 40.
1: But it was before the St. Joe meeting. It would have been the Kansas Vegetable Growers Association. And then somewhere around 30 years ago, it was four states. You had Kansas, Nebraska, Missouri, and Iowa. So it it has gone from Each state having a very small vegetable grower meeting to trying to pool several states together to make it worthwhile for vendors to show up with their products to to sell to us.
0: And it's a time to get inspired for the new year as we're getting ready to to plant new crops, uh, starting things in the greenhouse. So we're getting ready for that, uh, just like we did last year. John was a a winner, 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 winner last year at uh, the Great Plains Growers Conference. They have this wonderful thing at the conference. One evening, they put aside a time for Innovation Night. And Innovation Night is a time when everybody brings an idea that they think is really great that they could share. And at the end of the night, everyone votes on which innovations are the best. And of course, we have some very humorous extension people from the Midwest here who who put this on, uh, Chuck Marr being one of them. Chuck, if you're listening, you are the best comedian in the extension service as far as I'm concerned. And uh, last year, John's innovation that he shared was how to roll up remay in the field.
1: Using wheelchair wheels. And so part of what you do is you explain something that makes life a lot easier, but then a lot of it is presentation. So you helped me put together a quick little video that uh, we were able to show. And, and
0: and having the video was everything, I that,
1: think. That helped, that really did help a lot. And, uh,
0: but so anyway, he, he was uh, got second place for innovation night of, of new ideas, and for that he gets a one day free registration, so it saved us a little money this year. Thanks, John. You bet, absolutely. It's important for us to get away and, and visit other growers and learn what's going on out in the world other than just on our farm. So we're just going to kind of give a little recap of what we did this last year. In January, we started seeds. We started lisianthus the first week of January and then proceeded with a lot of flowers early and then the vegetable seeds, they come on a little quicker. So they start um, later in the season. We start them in our greenhouse on uh, heat mats and that's really fun you know when you're you're feeling the spring come on and and you can get in a greenhouse where it's nice and warm and you see new plants growing it's very exciting to see spring every year and I think that's one thing about farming that I really enjoy is you get a do-over every single year.
1: Well, it's it's spring in the greenhouse, but outside the greenhouse, it is dead of winter, <laughs> and uh, that's what's nice, is to be able to get inside and feel the warmth of the sunshine, if the sun is shining, and then if it's cloudy, it's dreadfully cold, unless you've got the heaters kicked up pretty good. But we typically will bring in our hydroponic tomato seedlings, first week of February, and um, They actually are germinated usually sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas. We'll hire another greenhouse to start them for us so that we can get away at Christmas or New Year's or just not have to heat the entire greenhouse for a a size of what you can germinate uh, 500 seedlings in plug trays on virtually a TV tray. So we'll hire another greenhouse to start our tomato seedlings for us we'll get them in somewhere around the first week of February and usually it's pretty cold outside so we try and have it on a day where it's above freezing when we're getting them out of a truck or a van to get inside the greenhouse and then we transplant them into our four gallon buckets that we grow them in.
0: And then the spring proceeds with March bringing on uh, seed potatoes, onions, uh, asparagus crowns. We grow a lot of asparagus crowns and sell those to garden centers and people who are putting in a fair amount of asparagus in their home gardens. And of course, we do sell to people just who want one or two sometimes.
1: Make several trips to UPS. We ship all over the Midwest and
0: and uh, sometimes beyond. And and that's and, the only time of year we really do a lot of shipping. I, people want us to ship things around, but that's another type of business that we just don't need to be involved in. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got all the the plants coming on in the spring. The bedding plants are coming on. John's telling me I have to stay under a hundred varieties of tomato plants that we sell this year So I'll see the best I can so anybody who's listening to this Let me know what varieties you really want because we may have to cut back a little bit this next year We're kind of running out of some space
1: The sad thing is for every time we drop a variety. That's when people come out of the Woodwork saying well, you're the only
0: one that grew boxcar Willie And and that was the one this last year I knew it was a fairly popular one, but we always had a lot of plants left over. And it seemed like we had 50 people ask us for boxcar Willie, and we were the only ones who carried it. So I guess we're going to have to put boxcar Willie back in, in the mix, John.
1: Well, as, as long as those 50 people buy at least one plant <laughs> or more.
0: Well, and then as the season goes through, asparagus season starts. And that's usually from the middle of April to the end of May. But this year... The cold kind of just kept hanging on or we'd have some warm days and then we'd have a really cold day. And and that asparagus knows better than we do. It remembers a cold night and it will not come up out of the ground until it feels it's going to be safe.
1: People in town tell us that they've been picking asparagus for a week or two because it's warmer in town. They've got the heat sink of, of all the buildings and sometimes their gardens are right next to their basement and, and they've got heat coming off their house and, and so we're always about the last one to start producing asparagus.
0: That is what we're best known for is our asparagus and we'll be growing again this year and, and harvesting asparagus and so come on out during the spring and get bedding plants and, and asparagus. Actually before the asparagus season starts we start at the farmer's market. The farmer's market starts the second week of April here in Lawrence, and so it's several weeks before asparagus season actually starts. And so those early markets, we tend to take a lot of bedding plants, Uh, we'll have some lettuce that we raise in the high tunnel, but we don't have a lot early, early from our farm. And the farmer's market runs from the second week of April until the third week of November. So pretty much that's what we do all summer long, every Saturday morning, get up at five o'clock and head to the market and sell till noon and come home and collapse.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Then the end of May this year, we had a big celebration on our farm. This was our 40th anniversary of being in business. And it was the fourth year since the tornado that hit our farm in 2019. So at our 40 and 4 celebration, we uh, invited people out for hot dogs and coleslaw, and we had a nice picnic lunch, and just kind of as a thank you to all the people who came out. We will never be able to thank everyone, but we tried to get as many people that could come and and just kind of get together and Look around and realize the farm is is still going strong we've We've cut back on some things, but it was a really nice celebration for all the people who were a part of getting us back up and going again and You know when most people have a celebration, they might bring arts and crafts vendors or they'll have magicians or face you, painters musicians, something not the Pendletons we invited. The emergency management department to come (laughs) and they set up a booth to tell people how to prepare for emergencies because they were the ones who really helped us out when we needed it. They were able to uh, organize volunteers and kind of let us know what we needed to be doing after the tornado.
1: I think they got a big kick out of being able to do some community outreach by uh, joining us with our celebration that four years after the tornado.
0: And then when we get into June, the second week of June is always the Symphony in the Flint Hills. And we did that again this year. They've been having some difficulty with rather large storms on those weekends the last few years. And this year there was a threat of rain and there was a few sprinkles, but all in all, it was a beautiful day. The theme this last year was transportation. So We took down a truckload of iron wheels and railroad paraphernalia that we've had here at the farm and decorated uh, the patrons tent at the symphony in the Flint Hills and that's always one of our, our June really fun events that we get to go to. And then it always seems that when we get back from the symphony that second and third weekend of June is when we have a glut of tomatoes in the greenhouse. And it's also a time when we have a glut of flowers in the field. The spring flowers really, or early summer flowers, really come on at that time. And we came back and we picked tomatoes and picked tomatoes and picked tomatoes. And then we picked snapdragons and more snapdragons and more snapdragons. And uh, that's, it's a busy time. And we always feel bad when we have a glut like that because it's hard to find a market. We need to grow a lot. But it's hard to find a market for such a short time. Really, a glut like that only lasts for a week or two.
1: When we have that one-week glut, the last thing we want to do is flood the market that will hurt other vendors that are growing the same product. And they have their markets all set. And if we go in and just really drop the price, that really doesn't help anybody at all. But we try and figure out different ways to to move a large quantity.
0: We also utilized some local CSAs that needed some produce for their CSA programs for a couple weeks, so we were able to sell through them as well. And then besides all the vegetables, we also have a lot of flowers at that time, and so I think we did about 15 weddings this year. It's nothing compared to what we used to do. We used to do two to three weddings every weekend, but I'm slowing down a little bit. And we're trying to do just one wedding on a weekend. And I think a lot of people have realized that July and August are not good wedding days in Kansas, especially if you're going to do it outside. So we had weddings in May and June and then um, September. And of course, October was crazy with weddings, but we're still doing weddings and enjoying that. We're just not doing as many as we used to.
1: When we were young... It was june weddings that was the most popular but
0: i think october is the new june
1: it really is and it seems like the weather a lot of times is a little bit more consistent and pleasant so that's when most of your requests come in
0: that's right and then you might remember in july we had trevor nice on our podcast talking about his sweet corn and how great it was. And then we had had this big windstorm and it laid all the corn down flat.
1: We really thought, and, and he did too, He he really thought that what he was able to pick by hand the next day or two would be all that he would have for the entire season then. When you're used to picking with a machine, with a sweet corn harvester, having to do it by hand is is uh, so much more difficult and not only was he afraid that that he just would get one or two pickings by hand but that the rest of the corn that uh, was laid down wouldn't produce correctly because it wouldn't pollinate right well the magic of plants growing it seemed like a lot of the corn that did get bent over in the wind that were the later plantings they did kind of straighten up a little bit and And uh, we're able to pollinate, and Trevor was able to go ahead and finish the season using the corn picker. And we're so glad because we put sweet corn in CSA pretty often and then really rely on having his sweet corn at our farm to encourage people to come out during the summertime.
0: When we used to grow our sweet corn, we would have it during the month of July, and that would be about it. Where Trevor has really worked hard to get a planting schedule, and he'll have sweet corn for us until the 1st of September, which we really appreciated. Especially, we really appreciated it this year because the summer was so hot that some of the other crops didn't do quite so well. There was one day, I think we had a hundred and, I'm trying to think, the thermometer on the outside of the barn said 119, and we went to the top of our grain bin where we have a drying area where we dry flowers. And the thermometer up there read 132.
1: That's pretty hot. <laughs> that was really hot. Well,
0: and we would close early. We'd send everybody home. We'd have our employees work till noon and then send everybody home because we just couldn't work in that those temperatures.
1: We didn't necessarily break a record, but we were recognized nationally that Manhattan, Kansas had the highest fields like temperature on one day and then Lawrence, Kansas had the highest actual temperature I think in the country the very next day and my gosh it was brutal.
0: Those are weather records that you don't want to aspire to. Yeah. And when it's hot like that all the irrigation in the world sometimes doesn't make a difference because the plants are so stressed with the heat they really can't take up the moisture that they're needing to do well. So that's why some of the tomatoes didn't do quite so well. Peppers, of course, come back pretty well, but the tomatoes kind of had a a tough time. There's other crops that just didn't do as well because of the heat, even though we do have irrigation that worked well. And during that heat, the end of July, we were able to go to the fair. We went to the county fair this year. Our first grandson joined 4-H, So we're back in the swing of things with the 4-H program.
1: It's always fun to spend an evening walking around looking at ribbons and see the excitement on the face of of the young 4-Hers as they um, participate in their projects and their activities.
0: And Simon, our oldest grandson, had several projects, one of them being uh, plant science, and he had some flowers that he entered in the fair. I'm not sure he's going to be a real big plant scientists in the in the future he he didn't like the hot weather and that and he didn't like bugs and so when we would be out working with the flowers he that was his biggest complaint was the heat and the bugs
1: but his brother miles actually competed in open class on some flowers and some vegetables and and he uh, he did well and i think is looking forward to when he can start entering in the 4-H side of the vegetable and the flower and the other events at the fair.
0: And since that's my thing, kind of, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll have at least one grandson that'll follow in some footsteps there.
1: Well, you have enough grandsons coming on that uh, <laughs> you'll be able to practice many times, I think. And
0: as you may have heard, if you've listened to the podcast much, we do have seven grandsons that are spread over six years. So we have a, a gaggle of guys coming along to help us here on the farm.
1: And they're all in Douglas County, too. So that that We're very uh, fortunate we're there. are very fortunate.
0: Then in November, we attended the Association of specially Cut Flower Growers meeting in St. Louis, Missouri. This is a national organization for people who grow cut flowers that doesn't come to the Midwest very often. So when it was as close as St. Louis, we really felt like we had to go. Also, the director of the organization, the person who had been the director for the last 35 years of the organization, it started 35 years ago, was retiring. And she has become a dear friend and uh, actually had family in Lawrence. So we knew her from Lawrence and as well as this organization, even though she was from Ohio. So we went to the conference and saw lots of old friends, I think they asked how many people this was their first year, and over half the people said they were just starting out.
1: One or two years.
0: And uh, on my name tag was a little ribbon that said I had been a member for 30 years. We were feeling like... We'd been around a block or two. I think so. <laughs> and we really enjoyed seeing all the our other friends who we all started doing this some 30 years ago growing flowers so we had friends from texas and north carolina and all over the country that we were able to spend some really good quality time with and and reminisce as much as anything right so we sure hope that you've been enjoying our podcast since this is the end of our growing season we're going to take a break from doing the podcast for a few months and If there's something that you would like for us to talk about, is there something about our farm that you remember or a topic that you think we should be covering or a local person that you think we should be interviewing? Please let us know. We'd love to have some ideas.
1: We do look forward to the final 40th podcast episode that we hear is going to be the best of bloopers that Corey is going to put together. So not only have you and I, Karen, uh, been here every Tuesday night, but uh, but Corey has been our producer and the person who has suffered through literally hours and hours and hours of recording, and then she gleans through it and cleans it up, shortens it up, and makes it sound like we have a half an idea of what we're talking about and that and that will
0: be Corey's gift to the world
1: it will be so thanks again for listening to the stock of the town podcast and we want to encourage you to follow us on facebook instagram and uh, check out our website at pendletons.com and we appreciate your listening to the stock of the town as we talk about our farm and our community